Welcome to the Minted Truth Podcast. I'm Megan, your show host and the founder of Minted Truth. This podcast is a space dedicated to teen girls like you who desire biblical answers to the daily questions you have. We know being a teen girl can be super confusing, yet knowing and seeking the Lord doesn't have to be. So join us as we explore how the gospel and God's word relate to being a middle school or high school girl just like you. Well, hey, friend, and welcome back to episode five of the Minted Truth Podcast. You guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment to totally apologize for the lack of consistency in posting regular and new content on our podcast every Thursday. So at the beginning of this year, I got COVID, and then I've been having some sinus and tonsils problems, and it's just been a big old mess where my voice has basically sounded like a middle school boy going through puberty, all the way to me sounding like I ate a frog. So for your sake and for mine, I have not been consistent with this podcast, but that doesn't mean that I am not committed and so excited for what I have planned for this podcast. So um, today we are going to be deep diving into the gospel of Luke because that is the newest study that we are going to be doing on our Minted Truth app. So if you have a phone, which I'm going to probably say is most of us, um, we are going to be having a six-week course where we go from cover to cover of the Gospel of Luke as we prepare and get ready for Easter season. And this study is so good in the sense that it is such a healthy, healthy reminder of who the Lord is and why he sent his son to die on the cross for all. And so if you need that reminder, go ahead and subscribe on our app and get access to the study. Or you can go to our Minted Truth shop and buy the PDF that you can print out and work through especially if you like to doodle um, and be offline as you study God's word. So like I said, this is going to be such a sweet, sweet reminder of the gospel. And it's especially going to be sweet for those of you that have ever felt like an outcast. You know what I mean? Like when you're just sitting within a group and you feel like you're the on the outside looking in, that you're not super involved, that there's something missing. Well, if that is you and you can relate to that, the Gospel of Luke is going to be a great encouragement to you. You see, every Gospel book in the New Testament, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of those books include a unified but unique look at the birth, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, Luke, however, is the only one written by a Gentile. And in fact, from what we can gather of the known authors of the Bible, he is the only Gentile to write a book. So he has this outsider perspective that is going to really infiltrate the entirety of this book. And so it is going to directly impact the details he hones in on, the inclusion of women and Samaritans and Gentiles and the poor, like the socially awkward, the socially inept, all of those people. He is going to make the case that God's saving grace can reach every single human being, not just the Jews, but that it is afforded to the Gentiles, which is great news for you and me because we are Gentiles and that we are um, in need of God's grace. And so um, as we look throughout that, I think it's going to be important to kind of set the scene 
of what we will be studying. And so today we're going to just take some time to go through some really elementary questions that are going to help you kind of understand the book of Luke better. Just consider it kind of like an overview. So let's dive on in, huh? Okay, so one of the best places that we can start when we are reading any passage of scripture is to kind of figure out what type of book is this? So is it about the law? Is it history, poetry, wisdom, gospel, epistle, or prophecy? Well, we are in luck because we know that Luke is a gospel account simply from its name. If you look in your Bible, it'll probably say the gospel according to Luke on the title page. And that's pretty much a dead giveaway to us about that, that this book is going to hinge on the life in person of Christ Jesus. Now, the word gospel translates from the Greek as basically a grand proclamation. It is a piece of good news. So typically in Old Testament and New Testament times, an emperor would come and declare a piece of information using a herald. And this person would go into the city streets and declare whatever the emperor said. Um, this could be an update on the birth of its child or an update on a victorious battle. Um, but this was basically a proclamation, a, a thing of good news to be shared with a group of people. So we as believers are lucky that today we have a written account of the best news ever from over 2,000 years ago, and that is the good news of Christ's death and his resurrection. So as we will look at this gospel genre, it's going to be interesting to see that um, this gospel takes a cue from the cultural setting of the time for this type of writing mimics the modern day biographies of significant figures. Nowadays, biographies tends to look at the ins and outs of like a person's childhood to the present day to expose the events that made them. And a lot of that has to do with psychology and sociology impacting our culture today. But back then, Roman biographies focused on unveiling a person's identity that would explain their great deeds. So a lot of times biographies weren't full encompassing. They didn't reach out and go from, okay, this person was born on this day and this is what happened when they were two and this is what happened when they were three. Um, that just didn't happen. They basically would use the highlights of a person's life to expose the importance of that person. And that's exactly how the gospels are written. That they, um, there's not a lot of backstory or development on what we see from the beginning of Christ. Now, in the book of Luke, we have a huge first portion that talks about Christ, um, the prophecies surrounding his birth, about John the Baptist. And so we do have a lot more um, upfront narrative about the, the early days of Christ's life compared to maybe Mark or John but we really don't know much after his birth, right? Like, as you will see throughout our study, we go from talking about Jesus being dedicated in the temple to being a child that was left behind in a caravan. And then it's like Christ is an adult and he is really within his last three years of life. And we know that he died around being 33 years old. So clearly we are not going to get a full encompassing, like how did Jesus treat his parents as he was a teenager or when he was a toddler? We're not going to get that in the book of Luke, which man, I wish we did. But more importantly, um, we are going to get a glimpse 
of who Christ was through his person, his ministry, and his resurrection. So have that in mind because if you're expecting like a full-on biography, you're going to be very disappointed. Uh, but also something in, important to note about gospel genre um, is that within that genre, we have something called the synoptic gospels. And basically what it means is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very, very similar. If you read the book of John, oh my gosh, it's so good. But we get a lot more theology. We get a lot more doctrine um, surrounding the life of Jesus and some of his teachings that we don't necessarily find in the first three gospels. However, we will see in the synoptic gospels that there is a lot of overlap. So, for example, out of Mark's 661 verses, Matthew holds 606 of them, and Luke has about half of that, totaling around 308. And then only 31 verses in Mark are not found in either Matthew or Luke. So the book of Mark is basically present within both Matthew and Luke. Now, on the other hand, Luke has over 520 unique verses that are not found in Matthew or Mark. So as we will see, yes, there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of parallels and there are, are definitely some discussions on why that is, um, which we don't have the time to go into detail. Um, there even though there are a ton of similarities, there are also a lot of unique differences that we will see throughout the Gospel of Luke. So all of that begs to say, okay, this is a gospel genre. Now, who wrote this book? Well, nowhere in the book of Luke does it actually say, like, I, the beloved Dr. Luke, penned this gospel. No, like, nowhere do we find that. Um, however, according to early church history, there was actually no debate that Luke actually did write this book. So he was Paul's co-worker and co-laborer, as we will see here in a little bit. Um, but really, I mean, like early, early church theologians such as Clement of Alexandria and Tertullian, they all referenced Luke as the author throughout many of their works. And so therefore, we're going to safely say that Luke was the writer of this gospel account. Now, the question begs itself, if Luke wrote it, what do we know about Luke? Great question, my friend. Well, Paul mentions Luke several times throughout the New Testament. For instance, Colossians 4:14 says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. So here we see that Paul mentions Luke and he, that he was a beloved physician. And you'll notice that throughout this gospel, Luke pays super close attention to details surrounding Christ's miracles and healings. And no doubt his experience as a physician influenced this attention to physically healing. So it's like calling Dr. Luke, he is going to take huge note of all of the physical, intimate details that a doctor would be prone to look at. Now, another unique thing about this passage in Colossians is that in this final greeting, Paul makes it clear that Luke was a Gentile. And that's a really important thing, as we talked about a little bit earlier, that ultimately Luke has the perspective that he was not from Jewish culture at all. And so because of that, a lot of people would think, oh, like Christ doesn't apply to me. I'm not a Jew. But Luke flips that narrative and says, no, Christ came for all. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek or you're a Jew, if you are a woman or a man, like children, 
or adult, like it does not matter that whoever you are, Christ came to die on the cross for your sins and through him and him alone can you have eternal life. So that's a pretty unique thing that as you're studying to be conscious of because it's going to illuminate some characteristics and some things that is pointed out that totally um, support this inclusion of all for the gospel. So again, we see that Paul mentioned in 2 Timothy 4.11 um, that Luke alone was with me. So in Paul's last letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, we see that Luke was by Paul's side. He did not leave him. He was a faithful minister encouraging his co-laborer in ministry up until Paul's final days of life, really. So, um, and lastly, we see that Luke was mentioned in um, Philemon 23 and 24, and it says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. So, so clearly we can see that Paul and Luke were close, and we actually know that they went on some missionary trips together. So throughout the book of Acts, we see a pronoun shift as Luke is not only narrating the story, but then once he becomes a part of the timeline, he switches from them to us. So as it says, for example, in Acts 16, 6 through 10, it says, and they went throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Myasia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Myasia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, emphasis mine, sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So clearly from that, we see that Luke was on part of Paul's missionary journeys and that he um, ultimately would go on to end up accompanying Paul onto his final trip to Jerusalem around 57 to 58 AD. And now this is most likely the time that Luke spent compiling his resources for the twofold book of Luke and Acts. Now, so we kind of get a backstory of Luke that he was this doctor, he was a Gentile, he knew Paul. Um, but why did he write this letter? Well, the intended audience for this is to a man named Theophilus. And we see that in both the opening for Luke and for Acts, Luke mentions this guy, and this name simply means a friend of God or beloved by God, which, what a good name, oh my word. Um, and so many scholars agree from the context clues found within these books that this was a Roman with high social status that was most likely a wealthy believer in Jesus. And we see in verse 2 that it talks about the things that have been accomplished among us. So here Luke is referencing a a co-laborer that this is somebody that has something in common with him and that's most likely his faith. Now others believe that this letter was written um, possibly as a 
kind of like a trial testimony for Paul's court appearance before Caesar. At the end of his life, he had to go before Caesar. And so something that Luke compiled and did all of this research to show this is who Christ Jesus is, and this is what the church has done in response to who he says he has been and has shown us he has been, and therefore this is the life that Paul has lived. We don't know that for 100% sure, but ultimately we do know that the audience did involve a man named Theophilus, um, and as a result of being a believer in Christ Jesus, the truth that we can see throughout the Gospel of Luke absolutely 100% applies to us today. Now, when is the setting and location of this book of the Bible? Well, a huge factor in how we date and pinpoint the location of this really heavily weighs on the dating of the book of Acts because because since Luke predates the early church then we have to kind of retroactively work backwards so some scholars believe that this was written primarily around early 60s after Christ's death um but again, we're not 100% sure, and a lot of that has to do with just the dating and which theory of early dating, later dating. Um, but ultimately, we know that this the setting is in the Middle East, that it is surrounding um, Nazareth and Jerusalem and Judea and all of the surrounding areas, and that ultimately this is leading up to the time of Christ, and it is explaining his birth, his ministry, his death, um, and so even though Luke was not an active figure in that time, he is recording these dates based upon the life of Jesus. So hopefully that kind of puts it in perspective of obviously this wasn't being written as the, these events occurred. Um, and it's also important to know that Luke wasn't a eye-hand account of this. And so that's when he starts off in um, chapter 1 of Luke, it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you have been certainty that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And so here we see that Luke is just outlining Christ and his life and his legacy and his love. Um, so for Theophilus, but also for us as believers today, that we can hold it against this account to make sure that the things we believe about Jesus are true, which is really, really important. So um, another good question after we've kind of figured out who wrote this book, why was it written, who was it written to, is to kind of figure out where it lies within the timeline of scripture, like what happens before it, what happens after it. And one of the most beautiful statements I could find while researching and writing this study was from Warren Wearsby, and he said that around this time, it was indeed a dark day for the nation of Israel. The people had heard no prophetic word from God for 400 years, not since Malachi had promised the coming of Elijah, which we know in Malachi 5 through 6. Okay, let's put that in perspective. When we don't hear from a friend for in, I don't know, four hours, we get a little antsy. Now imagine not talking to your best friend for four days. Like, 
a lot happens in a couple of days. Like you could be missing out on some pretty heavy things. Now imagine not being able to talk to your friend for four months or four years or 40 years. And now all of a sudden, 400 years go by. I mean, that is crazy that Israel had not heard a new and fresh revelation from God in over four centuries. Crazy. And so during this era of silence, a lot of the religious leaders started to begin heavily focusing on tradition. And then this kind of created the Pharisees that ruled out of such legalism that they had created their own rules, their own functions. And that wasn't right, but that is how it became. And so in this time period, not only were the Jews heavily, heavily burdening the the Israelites, they also had an exterior enemy that additionally, like Herod the Great, ruled over the Jews during the Hasmonean dynasty. And this man was a vicious man, y'all. Like he murdered several of his fam- family members. And under this harsh dictator of a king is when God decided to interject his son into the world's timeline to save believers from their sin. I mean, it could not have come at a sweeter, more perfect timeline in world history for Jesus to swoop in to the earth's history and redeem the world. I mean, man, mind blown. Now, if you subscribe or you purchase the PDF, we go into even greater detail about the parallels between um, Herod the Great and all of these titles that were held in world history and how Jesus was the son of man that he came to seek and save the lost. And there's so many parallels and in my mind is so blown when I look at them. So go download the app, subscribe, and I promise you like God has such a sense of humor and how he placed Jesus perfectly at this time in history, not only under evil spiritual leadership, under evil political leadership, but even in the time frame where the world was starting to get um, centralized on the Greek culture and Greek language and the road system were developing. And so it literally came at a time where the gospel could just spring forth And it could be passed on in a very streamlined and a very um, centralized way. I mean, it is beautiful how God orchestrated that. Only he, only he could do that. So as we will see um, through the newest revelation of Christ Jesus, then once he um, dies and then resurrects from the grave and ascends into heaven, the early church is formed and that's where we would pick up in the book of Acts and the early church has been set. So, um, so yeah, this is a very pivotal, pivotal part of, um, scripture's timeline of earth's timeline of everything. I mean, this book hinges on who Jesus is and what he did and what he accomplished on the cross. So, um, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of important that we figure this out. Um, but literally everything leading up to this point was pointing towards Jesus and everything after this point is going to continue to point back to who he was. So, 
Um, last but not least, what is the central theme of Luke? Well, we kind of just mentioned that, um, that basically all of this book is going to stress the blessings of the salvation that Christ alone brings. So we're going to see this um, in like a physical salvation that Jesus constantly was healing people from disease. He was liberating them from demonic control. He was restoring life to the dead and rescuing from disaster. I mean, time and time again, you will see how Christ physically saved, redeemed, healed those in his path. But more importantly, and most beautifully, Christ didn't leave those people there, that he offered the forgiveness of sins and that those who repent and believe in him have their debt paid, that Christ paid all of our debt on the cross and those that believe in him receive his eternal life, that we just brought our sin to the table and he exchanges it and we get his righteousness. Like, guys, <laughs> mind, mind blown. Um, and so ultimately we will see those themes kind of break down over um, four main plot points, if you will. And so the first is we're going to see that Christ's birth, his childhood, baptism, and temptation um, kind of lead us into his time that he journeys throughout Galilee. And that's kind of between Luke 4 and Luke 9. And then we're going to see Christ's journey to Jerusalem in chapters 9 through 19 and then Christ's ministry in Jerusalem, and that'll be chapters mid-19 through the end of the book. So friends, I hope that this gives you kind of a loose and general idea and overview over this book. And, and like I said, if you have ever, ever, ever felt like an outcast, this book will make you not feel like one. <laughs> because literally in a time where where women were not valued, where children were not valued, where outsiders were not valued. Christ flipped the script and said, no, you value because you were made in my image. I came to die for you. And so as a result, we get to see a, a gospel that outlines the, that Gentiles are included in God's salvation plan, that women, children, social outcasts are included. We see the theme of prayer. So many people praying, of Christ praying on our behalf. We see the joy of the Holy Spirit woven into this story. And most importantly, we get the good news of great joy, that Jesus loves us enough to give us eternal life. Well, friend, my ultimate prayer is that you will dive into the gospel of Luke and that you will let the Holy Spirit radically change your heart, your mind, your life, because you know the good news of Jesus. So like I mentioned earlier, if you are interested in doing this study, go and download our Minted Truth app. It's available on all phones. And once you download it, become a subscriber, you'll get access to this six week study. Or if you would rather do a PDF, the, you can buy a PDF on our website. And that's for those that are not subscribers. If you are a subscriber, the PDF of this Bible study will be on the app for free. However you want to study, get involved, add a friend in to study with you and let the Lord radically remind you of who he is this Easter season. Friend, know you are loved.